I mentioned a few weeks ago I had run out of jokes. Well, some folks have been helping me. <laughs> so here's one. Um, if you don't like it, blame Janice Ladd, okay? She's out there somewhere. Oh, there she is. Get any further back, I won't be able to see you. All right, here, a preacher was walking down the street one day, and he came across a group of boys between the ages of 10 and 12, and they had a dog surrounded. And the preacher, concerned that uh, they might want to harm the animal, went over to ask the boys what they were doing with the dog. And one boy replied, this dog is astray, and we all want him, but only one of us can take him home. So we decided that the person who can tell the biggest lie gets to take the dog home. Well, naturally, this upset the preacher. So he started a 10-minute sermon that started out like this. Boys, you need to know that lying is a sin. And he ended it with this. When I was your age, I never told a lie. So everything got quiet for a minute, and one little boy finally said, all right, I guess he gets the dog. <laughs> you turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1, starting with verse 10, and we'll go through the end of the chapter. A couple weeks ago, we started talking about uh, going through this book of Galatians. It will take us some time to do so, and we talked about the fact that it was written because Paul was angry that a group of people were coming into the church and disrupting it, preaching a false doctrine, a false teaching, supposedly another gospel, and, and he would uh, defended the gospel and continues on with that here, and actually through the entire book, but here he comes and tells us, he gives us his testimony. And I love this. I trust it, it, it hits home with you this morning. So follow along as I read Galatians 1, starting with verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that a man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way in Judaism, how intently I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond any Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son to me that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see any of those who were apostles before I was but who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later into Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him for 15 days. 
I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Later I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judah that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. The church there in Galatia, their churches in the province of Galatia would be more correct, were having a problem. The problem was a group of men called Judaizers. They had come and they basically had told the churches there that what Paul was preaching was incomplete. They had two issues. They were saying that Paul's gospel was not all there, that he had changed it to help the Gentiles understand it. And the other charge was that he really was not to be called an apostle. These false teachers understood that if they could discredit Paul's authority to teach, they could undermine the gospel of grace which he was preaching. They were accusing him of putting behind the laws, the rituals, the practices of Judaism. They said that he was doing so to make his teaching more appealing to the Gentiles as well as Jews. And that teaching was working because many of the members of the churches there in Galatia began to doubt about Paul's authority, began to doubt the gospel that he was preaching. And the charge they were making is that he was doing this to find favor in the eyes of people. If you notice that, it says very clearly here in verse 10. Paul responds by saying, here's what preaching the gospel has cost me in human terms. Quite bluntly, let me put it in my words, he says, if I wanted to appeal to men and I wanted to please human beings, I wouldn't be a Christian. He goes on in verse 11 and says, my call, my call to preach the gospel didn't come from any human being, didn't come from any man, I want that to be very perfectly clear to you. He is restating what he said in verse 1. If you were to look back at it, he is saying the same thing again, reiterating the fact that the gospel he was preaching didn't come by a human being, but it came by a revelation from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, he says, For what I received, I passed on to you, and what he received from the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted the members of this church and these churches to know that they should listen not because the gospel was man-made, but it was came by revelation of God. He's saying that a human being would not concoct a, a, a doctrine like the doctrine of grace on their own. No, no human being would dream that up. That salvation is totally dependent upon God and His grace and that alone. Let's face it. A godless individual who wanted to create their own religion or create their own salvation would always have mixed with it 
something to do. Not grace and grace alone. And Paul says, what I'm teaching you is by revelation. It has been revealed to me. It has been unveiled to me by Jesus Christ himself. Paul was basically saying, if if the gospel came from a human source, it would have works involved with it. It would have rituals involved with it. It would have some laws that you were to keep, some religious practices that you needed to do. And quite honestly, Paul could say, it would look just like what the Judaizers are bringing to you. But he's saying that the gospel is a gospel of grace. God's grace reaching out to us, and we receive it by faith in Jesus Christ and what Christ did on the cross. It's a work of God. And let's be honest about it. It is still that way today. Only when God, through the Holy Spirit, speaks to a human heart, does an individual understand the truth of the gospel. If I can say it, we are blinded spiritually. And it's the Holy Spirit that takes that veil and and removes it so we can see clearly. That spiritual blindness, somewhat times almost an ignorance that we have, those things fall off when the Spirit of God speaks to our heart about the truth of the gospel message. And so Paul, in his defense, in, in proving to them the truth of the gospel, gives his testimony. And he gives the history. He starts out by history. And, and you, you know the t- testimony so well. It's a remarkable story. It's a clear testimony of how God worked in his life. Now let me say something here. Paul's conversion was very dramatic. His testimony because of that was very special. But I want you to understand something. Your testimony, as well as my testimony, took the same amount of grace of God to transform us as it did the Apostle Paul. Your testimony is just as special as his was. The same amount of grace that took to save Paul is the same amount of grace that it takes to save each and every one of us. It's his grace that touches our lives. Paul understood that his testimony was powerful evidence of the reality of what God could do in an individual's life. It was a revelation by God that gave credibility to his ministry. And here is is basically the fourth time Paul gives his testimony. If you know the book of Acts well, in chapters 9, 22, and 26, Paul gives his testimony of what happened to him in his life. His testimony was special, but so is yours. If you're a Christian, you have a testimony. You you know what your life was like before you met Jesus Christ. You know what it was like. One of the men last night sang a a wonderful song. I've heard it before, but he says, I don't live here. This old man doesn't live here anymore. Because God changed his life and he became new. And we all have a testimony of what our life was like before Christ. We ought to be able to tell those around us what our life was like before we met Jesus. 
And we also ought to be able to tell them what changes occurred in my life when I got saved. And we also ought to be able to say what God is doing in my life today. He's not through with any of us yet, is he? I, I, I'm amazed every now and again at, at, at what God does in my own life, revealing things to me, opening up my eyes to, to the truth. You see, there's a reason and a purpose in us telling what God has done for us and what He's doing in our life. It puts reality into our testimony. It puts reality into our church life. I've shared with you how I was raised in my home church, and I've mentioned more than one occasion. On Wednesday night, we had about a 30-minute Bible study. Then we broke up into groups and prayed for about 30 minutes, and then we gathered back together in the sanctuary and had testimony meeting for 30 minutes. I don't know. Can, could you all stand that if we did Wednesday night like that? It wouldn't bother you. At least I got one amen on it. But that's what we did when I was a youngster. And, and I remember during the testimony time, and it happened all too often, somebody would get up and, and, and say, like I could say today, I was saved 61 years ago. Been a Christian all these years and, 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 I, and tell and testify what God did for me that day and how my life was changed. Some of the dramatic things that happened. I was a smart aleck little brat and the Lord changed that immediately in me. And people would testify. But so seldom did somebody end it by saying what God was doing in their life today. They were living in the past, what God had done for them years back. And, and wonderful as that is, and thank God that did happen. But what's happening to you today, what God is teaching you today in your life, what he is working in your family, is your testimony today. And that is extremely important for people to see and to hear and Paul, as he deals with these detractors, puts them to shame by talking about the fact what God had done in his life to show how these Judaizers really were not preaching a gospel at all. He starts out by saying, verse 13, I persecuted the church. Actually, he says more than that. He said, I tried to destroy the church. The term that he uses there is a military term that means to cut down or to root out or literally to wipe out. What Paul was saying, in my days of Judaism, I saw the church to be a threat to the purity of Judaism and it was my goal to eradicate the church so that it was gone. Over in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it says there that, Meanwhile, Paul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. In other words, it's saying there that no matter what was happening, no matter what was in the way, if it was a detraction from Judaism, it had to be destroyed. Paul didn't understand at that moment in time in his life that he could not and he never would destroy the church. You see, there's nothing humans can do to destroy the church. 
I mean, they can close the doors of a building that was called a church, but they're never going to destroy the church. It will stand until the end of time. The church is God's church. Jesus Christ stated that I will build my church. When the gospel was first going forth, and the Jews were upset about it, over in Acts chapter 5, verse 39, the teacher Gamaliel said this about the followers of Christ. If it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. He understood that if it was a movement of God, and I think he really did, be honest with you, he knew you couldn't stop it. Paul was saying, my past was full of religion. I followed it faithfully. I followed it with zeal. And I persecuted and tried to destroy the church. He goes on in verse 14 and talks about his scholarship and his intellect. He says, I was recognized as a leader. I was in line to become one of the great teachers. As a Jew, he's saying, I had it all. In his own words out of Philippians chapter 13, uh, 3, starting with verse 4, says, If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Paul was saying there, I, I, I was at the top rung of Judaism. I had it made. I had everything. I was a religious fanatic. My life was Judaism. It was my religion. And he's saying, with regards to the gospel of grace, I now see the truth. He's saying that if I wanted to please men, I would have never become a Christian. But I want to please God, and I'm going to preach the gospel of grace over and over again. In the past, Paul was devoted to his religion. He had religion, and, and all people have religion of some sort. They believe in something, someone. Uh, they worship something or someone. Uh, in our culture today, the main religion is uh, humanism and materialism. Religion is human attempts to find peace within themselves or, or, or to, to find peace with, with God or to find meaning in life uh, or a way to God. But it always starts from human efforts on the outside. And Christianity is so much the opposite. Christianity is what Christ has done for us. It starts on the inside. It's the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and it's changing us from the inside out. It changes us. It changes the way we think. We, we, it starts by, not, uh, by understanding I can't save myself. And it changes how we act. It changes what we believe. It changes how we talk. It changes how we feel about things. It changes us into how we look at life. Paul told about his past. And then something happened because God stepped in. A miracle took place. He met Jesus 
And he talks about this dramatic change when he met Jesus. He went in, literally in an instant from persecuting Christians, trying to destroy Christians, to the next moment literally preaching that everybody needs to be a Christian. He was radically changed. Is that not dramatic? That was proof of his salvation. There was no human explanation for such a turnaround in his life. One moment, a religious fanatic, a zealot, to a follower of Jesus Christ and himself a Christian. What he's saying is what I am preaching and what I am teaching, I've experienced it for myself. I've experienced God's grace. I know what new life in Christ is all about because I have had it upon my own life. This is the truth. And he says, any other preaching or teaching out there is a false gospel. It's a counterfeit. There's only one gospel, and that is the one that Jesus Christ brought to us 2,000 years ago. Then he says, here's how I got the gospel. God did it. Every time he spoke of the gospel message, he always talked about what God did for him. It never was about Paul or anything he did. Paul clearly understood he could not save himself. It was about what God did through Jesus Christ. And it will always be about what God does through Jesus Christ and never about anything else. It's always about God. He says it's about grace. Again, it's not human effort. It's not works that we do. It's not achievements that we can accomplish. It's not rituals that we go through. It's all God's grace in us. It's not religion. It's not cleaning up our act. It's not working harder to be a better person. It's not just me trying to do better. There was a sign on a church here in Aiken somewhere I, I saw, and, and I, took, I, I nodded, jotted this down so I could use it someday, and it, it, the sign said, Stop trying to repair what God wants to replace. I said, man, whoever put that up understood the gospel. He's not just trying to give a better version of me. He's not just trying to reform us. He's doing a radical change in our life. It's called being born again. It's called a spiritual birth. It's called becoming a new creation. God's at work in our life. God is bringing about His plan and His purpose and changing our lives into the men and women He wants us to be. By the way, Paul was not looking for Jesus the day he got saved, was he? That's the way it was with me. Now, once my parents got saved, I told you I was about five years of age when that happened. And after that, we went to church Every time the doors were open, if it, unless we were sick. By the way, side note, first fight I ever got in was in church. <laughs> I, I, I got it. Some of you are old enough to remember the little chairs, and they had metal edges so that they wouldn't wear out. Well, one of the metal edges in one of those chairs put a dent in my head here when I got in a fight. 
I don't know why that's important, but the first fight I ever got in was in We were in church every time the doors were open. And I wasn't looking for Jesus the day I got saved. But I remember sitting in that room. I can picture myself right now. Probably some of you can picture the day you got saved too. But I can picture sitting there as a 10-year-old boy. And the gospel message that got across to me was if I needed Jesus in my life, if I was going to go to heaven, and I wanted to go to heaven. I remember that day. I didn't go looking for Jesus that day. I went because it was Bible school. I went because I, in many ways, had to. I went because my friends were there. I went because our life was centered around Gospel Center Church in South Bend, Indiana. But Jesus revealed himself to me that morning. He revealed to Paul that day. That day is when I realized why people, after service, at the end of the service, they would give an invitation and they would come and kneel at the altar. And now, our sanctuary was very large. We, we had about a thousand in attendance. And since we came out of the Mennonite tradition, we had the altar, a prayer rail kneeling bench at the front. And I still love those things, folks. i Baptist today, but I wish we had those kneeling benches. It makes it so much easier than kneeling on a hard uh, wood floor. But I then realized that when they gave the invitation, why certain men and women would come and come kneel at the, at the front, brothers and sisters in Christ would gather around them and pray with them while they were up there. I understood then why they did that. I had always asked myself the question, why, what do they do so bad that they have to go up there and do that? But that day, I realized what the invitation was about and why people walked the aisle to respond to the gospel truth. Jesus met them that day, and they came to make it public and to profess Christ as Savior. You know, today we have talk about the seeker-friendly churches, and I'm not trying to make them look bad or anything, but nobody seeks Jesus until the Spirit of God speaks to their heart about a need in their life, about questions about the Bible, questions about the church, questions about Christ. And, and in the midst of that, they go to a church and are basically because it's a seeker-friendly church because they're curious, but they're a seeker because the Spirit of God is working in their life. As Paul carried on his testimony, verse 16, he talks about what happened in, with Jesus Christ. Up to that day, Paul was religious. But that day, he met Jesus, and there was a change inwardly in his life. And when you or I or Paul or anyone meets Jesus, their life is radically changed. The Holy Spirit starts making changes in their lives the moment they respond to the gospel. Without giving too many secrets away here, there are people in this building who today would testify the fact I was hung up on drugs and I couldn't beat drugs until I met Jesus and he delivered me from that evil. 
There are people that could raise their hand and testify that I was uh, running around with the wrong crowd. I was getting drunk on weekends, and then I met Jesus, and he delivered me from all that. There are people that can say that I lived an immoral life. I was hopping from one bed to another, but the day I met Jesus, he delivered me from that. There's, those kind of testimonies are in this building today. You know who you are. It's not about me cleaning up my act and becoming better. It's about the Lord coming, working in us from the inside out and changing us into the man or woman he created us to be. You cannot meet Jesus Christ and remain the same. Johnny Hunt, <coughs> excuse me, uh, don't know if it came from him, but I heard him say it. He says, if there's no change in your life, that's because there's no Jesus in your life. You might have religion, you might be going to a Baptist church or an evangelical church somewhere else, but if your life hasn't been changed, you've not met Jesus. Many years back, Billy Graham made a statement, kind of shocked me, but I agree with him. He says, the greatest mission field for the Southern Baptist Church is the membership of the Southern Baptist Church, because he said, I would guess that 40% of the membership of the Southern Baptist Church is lost and going to hell. They got their name on the roll, they did the religious thing, and they think they're all right with God, but they never asked Christ into their life, and their life has never been changed. Some things change immediately. You know that if you got a testimony this morning. And some things change slowly. Some things are a battle. I think every one of us has that battle, to be honest with you. And I think that was like Paul's thorn in the flesh. It was never told what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. And it was never told so that we can identify with it. That every day we get up and we say, good morning, Lord. Thank you for last night's rest. I need you today because I'm going to face some battles today. I can't win without you. And we know that some of those battles are. Satan knows our weaknesses and he's not going to let them go. And thankfully, there are some things that he delivers us from. Again, testimony of my own dad. My dad had a, definitely had a drinking problem. And when he met Jesus, he set the beer down, never went back to it, and lived as a Christian for 55 years or so after that, and had an absolute hatred for alcoholic beverages because he knew what it does to a person's life and that Jesus delivered him from it. Some people's battle is slow, but the Lord does some radical changes. Paul goes on to say, he not only called me to be one of his, he called me to preach the gospel, to preach the message I've been preaching to the church there at Galatia. While Paul's life and experience was unique, he just affirms the fact that all of us are called into God's plan and purpose, and he has a use for all of us. All of us in this room today who know Christ as Savior have a plan and purpose God called you to do and to fulfill. Your salvation experience is different than mine. It's different than Paul's. I don't think anybody in this room has a conversion experience as dramatic as Paul's. But your experience is different than mine. And when we get saved, we have a desire to have our loved ones and our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers come to know Christ as Savior. And that's why you and I need to know what our life was like before Christ called us, 
what happened to us immediately and what changed in our life when we got saved, and why we have to have a testimony about what God is doing in my life today. Because we're still growing. Our, we never stop growing. He's never finished with us. We still have those battles to win. And you see, our testimonies will touch somebody's life. What the Lord has done for us will make and give validity to what we have to say to somebody else. And people are going to listen to our testimony because there's somebody unique that needs to hear your testimony. What the Lord Jesus Christ has done in your life. And they will become a Christian because of it. And we can all rejoice in that victory. We all have something to say about our Christian journey and our Christian walk. And that's exactly what Paul is doing here. You notice also he talks about his, his education and his training. Paul said, I got alone with Jesus. And he taught me. He got his Master of Divinity degree, three-year degree in seminary at the feet of Jesus. The first three years, I don't want to say Paul went into hiding. That's probably not the proper term. But he spent three years learning the truth of the gospel. Because all of his education as a Jew, was steeped in Judaism. And he had to understand clearly the difference and the why uh, and the fulfillment of the Jewish law and why the new covenant through Jesus was far superior to the old. And he needed that education, that training. The Bible even teaches over there in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, that an elder or a deacon is not to be a recent convert. They need to be grounded in the Word of God and, and know uh, the truth so they can speak it to other people. All of his knowledge was based upon Judaism, and he needed to be taught the good news and how he can communicate that to, to, to others. In a sense, all of his theology was turned upside down. His worldview was turned upside down. And he needed time to grow and be grounded in the truth of the gospel. You and I need time to be grounded in the truth of the gospel. We need study time. We need personal time in the Word of God. We need group time to be in the Word of God. We need time to grow. We need time to be built up in Christ. And, and I, I feel so sad that our world is so busy today that it's so seldom that we find time for, for God. I know many of our folks are either traveling on vacation or already at their destination, those that are at their destination, I hope they found a church to worship in today. I really do. When I'm away, uh, I'll go, and it doesn't matter what the denomination is, I don't care if it's liberal or, or, or conservative, I, I want to go to church when I'm gone. I want to be in God's house. And Paul said that after that time he went up to Jerusalem. He met with Peter and he saw James and it clearly show that the gospel that he had received personally from Christ was the same gospel that they had. And the word of his conversion spread throughout the area. 
Paul was saying, the proof of my conversion, the proof of my call of being an apostle was given to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the same as the other apostles. Uh, I love Peter's testimony about Paul's teaching. Over in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, Peter writes these words, Bear in mind that our Lord's patient means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort. But they do that to all the other scriptures to their own destruction. There, Peter was saying that the words that Paul had were the scriptures. They were from God. Again, a testimony to the power of God in Paul's life. He's saying if you reject Paul's teaching, you're rejecting the very word of God. And the Judaizers were trying to discredit Paul and his message, but the more they tried to discredit Paul was the more proof that they knew not Christ. Paul, in defending himself and in defending the gospel of grace, he states so clearly and convincingly that the gospel of grace is the true gospel. And he says it's because it came from the Lord himself directly to me. And that he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, his life was radically changed. I want to end with two statements, or maybe a statement and a question. I hope that everyone here today who knows Jesus as Lord and Savior can tell anybody else today what your life was like before you met Jesus. Now, you don't have to glorify sin but you can tell what your life was like before you met Jesus. And then you can tell the difference it immediately made in your life because Jesus started changing you from the inside out. And I also hope that every one of you can say, here's what the Lord is doing in my life today in July of the year 2019. And if you can't do that, I want to ask you why. And it's most likely because you've never met Jesus. You've never responded to the gospel message. You've never asked Jesus Christ to enter your life to make you a new creation to save you. And I do believe, very similar to what the song that Vicki sang this morning, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts this morning and telling you, you're not a Christian. You're religious. You go to church some. You put on a good front when you're at church. But you never received Jesus and had him radically change you from the inside out. I do believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to individuals in this room today about the fact You've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, and you've never let Him to come into your life. That your life is still bound by sin. You've never acknowledged you can't save yourself, and you need Jesus to do that. He came into this world, lived a sinless life, died on a cross to pay for our sins, was buried, rose again to guarantee that heaven will be our home if we respond to Him and say yes to His call on our life. 
And I'll guarantee you, you do that, you will never be the same again. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you to speak to hearts. I believe you have been speaking to hearts today. The truth of the gospel. Some are here out of curiosity. Some are here because they're pleasing a loved one. Some are here by literally divine appointment because you called them here today to hear the truth of the gospel. I just ask that you give them the courage to say yes to your spirit right now and turn to Jesus for salvation. Lord, I want you to also encourage those of us who know you as Savior. We've been, some of us have been saved a very long time. Help us to keep the gospel fresh and our testimony fresh. To speak to ones around us that we know and love of the truth that can change their lives forever. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.